Welcome to Career Tools. How to talk to your manager about getting promoted. Part two. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. How do I talk to my boss about getting a promotion? How do I become a manager? What do I need to know before asking for a promotion? Folks, the M conference is starting to fill up a little bit. Many people have written into us and said, I'm getting approval, and that takes weeks. If you're somebody who's getting approval, you might want to just send us a note. We think you're fine, but just in case, uh, you may not want to miss out because we're going to have a pretty hard cutoff at 50. Again, M Conference, October 9th and 10th, Dallas, Texas. Really an exciting opportunity to develop yourself and also to perhaps create your own little virtual board of directors for your career over the next 10, 15, 20 years. See you there. Okay, the next step is include your plan. Yeah. So you need to have done this planning ahead of time so that you can discuss it with your manager and get their feedback. So again, this is part of like getting ready for the conversation. And the plan needs to be in two parts. So there's the being a manager part and there's being a specialist or a technical. So if you are going to be a sales manager, there's the manager part and then there's the being a good salesperson part. Um, if you if you want to be the manager of a QA team, then you need to get no management. So we would say one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, delegation, developing relationships, project management, how to get results from a team, all those things around the skills of being a manager. But you also need to know about QA. So you need to know things like uh, creating a plan and assessing the status and mitigating risk and relevant regulations if there are any. So there's kind of these two parts of the skill of being a manager and the skill of your job. Yeah. And and the point of that is that in many cases, people think, okay, I'll become a manager and then I'm managing because you mistakenly believe that you're going to become a manager, not a working manager. And I've said this many, many times, but if you're new to us, let's just be clear. There are no jobs where you are just a manager. That job has never existed. And the idea that your company or modern times or modern industry or your industry has invented this new thing called working manager, where you spend a bunch of time working on individual stuff and then you have to fit management in is ludicrous. There have never been people who just managed other people. They always had their own stuff to do. And the problem with it is too many people, when they say, oh, I'm a working manager, it's really, it's insulting to the other person. It's like, oh yeah, you're not a working manager. But regardless, when you say you're a working manager, what you're implying is, I don't have time to manage because I'm doing all this work. In fact, you're just doing it wrong. What you're supposed to do is spend more time on managing, and when you do that, the capacity of your people will grow, and that will allow the work that you have to do to get done in a reasonable amount of time. It's the difference between saying, I'm a working manager, and I'm a working manager. Just got the emphasis wrong. So um, you have to be able to do both. It's not just about management. And a good example, Wendy mentioned sales. One of the ways you prove that you can manage others to be good salespeople is to be a good salesperson yourself. Now, it's a bit bit of a conceit to say, oh, all good salespeople can teach other people how to be good salespeople. That's not true. 
a high I trying to teach a high C or vice versa it would be a disaster, an unmitigated disaster. Yeah, you should just be like me. Yeah, I can't be like you. You're weird. Okay. But if you want to be a sales manager, you better be really good at sales. So part of this guidance in thinking of your plan is you have to keep your grades up in school. You have to continue to outperform. If you want to be a QA manager, the way you prove that you're going to be a good QA manager is you be good at QA. Okay. And, and yes, there is the, I've talked about it before, the tragedy of the welder, the welder who gets promoted after 18 years or something like that in his job. And because he's gotten rewarded for being good welder, he assumes that, and since he never really liked managers, he assumes that. What he'll do is spend as much time as possible welding and teaching other people how to weld the way he welds. And eight months later, I think he gets fired because he's terrible at his job because he's not doing the management part of it. Um, yeah, that happens too. But that's why we're telling you your your plan has to have two parts. So, so what what um, what what should their plan? Well, what could their plan include? So you you've got the list of things that you need you already have the skills and abilities and knowledge that you already have and then you've got the skills and abilities and knowledge that you need to learn. So in order to learn those things your plan could include things like taking courses or shadowing other managers or taking on projects, taking on work that your boss delegates to you, building relationships in different parts of the organization, mentoring or training other staff, covering from your for your boss when she's on vacation, anything that helps you learn and especially practice the skills that you would need as a manager, which you've already assessed. And your plan needs to cover the, the largest parts of your manager's job. So if they're a scrum leader, then you need to understand what that means and how to do it well, which you might think means paid training, but there's plenty of free resources to learn what you need um, or, or cheap. Yeah, the general rule about that is that 80% of your development comes from work you do on the job. So if you want to be a scrum leader and you're a developer, what you do is go hit 20 websites in the evening or on your lunch hour about how to be a scrum leader and what scrum leaders do, how to lead scrum. Watch your boss, take notes, ask her a couple of times what she does and how she does it. And then you're only 20% of the way there, and the other 80% will come from leading scrums. And so hopefully your boss will trust you, or your boss says, hey, I'm going to be a little bit late. And you say, you know, you text your boss and say, I've got scrum. I'll, I'll do it if you want me to. And see what happens. And you won't be any good at it, okay? But you probably won't stink, and that's probably good enough. Your boss will say, wow, that wasn't horrible. Maybe I could let you let you do it again sometime. You're like, yeah, okay. I guess I can find time for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So paid for training, which Wendy, you know, it is kind of dumb for us to say that because we have paid for training. But folks, just to be honest, I don't think you need it. If you're asking to go from being an individual contributor to a manager, in the vast majority of cases, I don't think you need it. Now, our guidance is pretty specific what to do when you're a manager. And many companies send their most promising individual contributors to our conferences, or they allow them to attend when we deliver client work. Um, but in most cases, I really don't think you need that. You don't need a specific course on how to be a manager. 
or on being a scrum leader. You could. There may be internal courses that are free online through your company's university or whatever. But the first rule is keep it free and keep it simple. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. YouTube is so educational um, nowadays. So um, it might be things like budgeting, reporting, overcoming roadblocks put up by other departments, creating quotes, responding to RFPs. Uh, there's all sorts of things that might be in the sort of large parts of your manager's job. So, And if you're not sure what to cover, see if you can find a job description for your manager's role or another similar role in the organization that might give you some clues as to what things you should be thinking about for putting on your list and then having a plan to learn those things. You can also include learning about management from books or online courses. It could also include assisting or shadowing someone else who's doing the role. And the most important part of this is you have to be able to keep up with your own work. The company is paying you to do the job you're currently doing, not learn about something else. It used to drive me nuts in, in interviews. And we would say, why do you want this job? And they say, because I'm going to learn X, Y, and Z. No, that's not what we're going to yeah. pay, pay you for. We're going to pay you to do A, B, and C, not How educate you. How lucky for you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, you need that on your resume so you can go somewhere else. Great. Yeah. And, and by the way, folks, we understand that you have a desire to learn. Some people say, oh, I just love to learn. Just love to learn. Great. Okay. But that's not our job. And some books to read if you need hints on management. The Effective Manager by uh, one Mark Horseman. Huh. Never heard of him. The Effective Hiring Manager, which is coming out in October, which we're super excited about. Uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Execution by Larry Bossidy, which I think is my most posted book ever. Uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. What Got You Here Won't Get You There, which you mentioned earlier. And First Break All the Rules. They're the most well-known, the most well-read, and and for a reason, books about management in the last 20 years. And look, you can also get management experience outside of work, charity work, an organization that you belong to that's quasi-professional or personal or societal. You could do it at church. You can include this in your plan, but don't expect your manager to take that as management experience. Uh, your boss hasn't seen you doing it. It's not the same environment. It's not for pay. People's livelihoods probably aren't depending upon it. And look, don't get me wrong, it's still valuable, um, but it's not the reason you're going to get promoted. Okay, next on the list is including a timeline. Including a timeline, yeah. So you must make it clear to your boss that you don't expect to be promoted right now. Even if you think you could do the job right now, even if your boss agreed, if they agreed and the opportunity was available, they'd have already promoted you. Yeah, the boss is saying, saying to himself, okay, you, you want to get promoted right now. That sounds really selfish. But not only do they dread the conversation, because up until our podcast, most managers didn't know what to say, so they're embarrassed. And they also realize the answer is no, because if you were ready, I'd have promoted you. Well, how would I have known you were ready? Well, I would have promoted you. So... <laughs> Setting out the timeline allays the fears that you want to be promoted right now. And you can tell your boss exactly what Mark just said. Um, if I know that you would have promoted me if you believed I was ready and there was the opportunity. So I know that I'm not ready or there's no opportunity and that 
there are things that I need to learn and I'm going to tell you what those things are and my plan to learn those things. And I also understand there might be something I'm missing that I didn't think of. And I am I, I am willing to hear that. I'm willing to work on those things. I'm and and I'm willing for you to see me working on those things before you promote me. Yeah. And you're gonna be wrong about the timeline. You don't know how your company does promotions internally. And that's one of the ways that your boss is going to be defensive by saying, yeah, this timeline's wrong. And you say, okay, um, I, I can modify it. Or because I didn't know what the system was, I did my best better than nothing at all. Mm -hmm. So the best time to have the conversation would be six to nine months before your annual review, because that gives you the opportunity to share with your manager the goals and the plan that you're setting yourself in order to move towards this uh, promotion. And you get an opportunity to talk about it in your review um, and look at those goals and look at the past and look at how you've been done. It's a, it's a nice place. It's a nice timing to put your plan where to begin in order to end at a nice place, a nice kind of neat place. But if you're hearing this in July and your annual reviews are in May and you just had them, then just start now. Or if your annual review is in November, start now. And, you know, you'll have to have the other conversation during the summer, but it's not the end of the world. Because opportunities to be a manager or opportunities in the company don't come up on a timetable. So it may be that if you if you had your annual review in May and then you start now, and you're ready in September, there may be an opportunity in August and there may be no opportunity until the following January. So although it's a, it's a nice timing, if it's possible, and if you're listening to this in a, in a time when you've got time to work that out, but it's not the end of the world if you can't make it fit. Yeah, and you may be thinking, oh, wait, I'm listening to this. It's October. I wish I'd have heard this last year. Okay, you don't have enough time to get it done in three months or to create a plan before your end of year review. And, you know, your husband's getting ready to change jobs and that's going to throw you guys for a loop for about six months. It's fine. It's fine. Wait until February or March of next year. That'll give you a chance to put your ducks in a row, maybe even get some of your plan accomplished before you have the conversation. There's nothing wrong with that. And, the timing, as, as Wendy alluded to, the timing for how people get promoted is completely untethered from your reality as an individual contributor. It just doesn't make sense. You would assume it would happen after reviews, but no. You would assume it would happen after openings, but not when, when people leave. Not really. Sometimes the first thing is, do we really need that, that position filled? And then the second thing is, could we reorganize to make that position go away? It's less linear. It may be one of the least linear things that people expect to be linear in organizations today. In fact, senior people are often involved in it, assuming you're in a medium-sized company. I assume we're going to ask our boss if there's anything that's going to prevent us from becoming a manager? Absolutely. So there might be something that you do or you don't do or you don't have the experience of or that's not in your plan. Uh, um, some blind spot that you have about your skills or abilities, your relationships, your experience, anything else that you don't have it in your plan to fix. And you want to ask your manager, what are those things? Because if you get from the plan to 
the day that you're having the second conversation and you say, I talked to you about getting promoted. Here's my plan. I did my plan. And then your boss says, yeah, but you never fixed X. Then, yeah. then you know, you've just wasted nine months. Um, and potentially X is something that your manager feels is much more serious than you do. Sometimes there's things that managers, I'm going to, as a direct, you'd say, oh, they have a bee in their bonnet about that. Um, but if that is the thing that stops you getting promoted, then that's the thing you want to work on, whether or not you think it's a B or a something serious. Yeah, that means you need to be prepared to hear negative comments from your boss that you haven't heard, right? Yeah, because there's a real difference between the feedback your boss gives you right now based on the job you're doing now Ooh, and yes. the feedback they might give you based on the job you want or based on being a manager. You, you know? might be great doing doing great in the job you have, but have gaps that will be serious flaws in the next job, right? In fact, that's almost certainly the case. Otherwise, as we've said before, you already would have been promoted. And it'd be great if you're self-aware enough to cover those things in your plan, but it's possible you didn't. And if you think that growth is easy, you're nuts. It's not. It's going to be hard. You're going to be punched in the nose. You're going to be boxed in the ears. You're going to be made uncomfortable. As I've said before, you know you're, you know you're learning when you're uncomfortable. When you tell your organization that you want to be a manager, you just raise the bar for yourself. And there's another gear that you have to be in. And we're not talking about more hours, guys. And so when there's a bigger gap between where you are and where you're supposed to be, and where you're supposed to be is now higher if you want to be a manager, that means there's more things you're not doing well. It's like leveling up in a video game, right? Everything comes oh faster. Gosh. And Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, leave me alone. I'm in a boss fight. <laughs> Get a life. <laughs> if you're one of the many managers promoted into leadership due to your outstanding performance as an individual contributor, congratulations. Don't tell me that no one told you the skills you'd need to actually do your role were completely different. That's you. You're in luck. There is actually a training program. The Effective Manager Conference will provide a step-by-step, -step, actionable process for being a people leader. Visit us at manager-tools.com forward slash training to register today. Okay, work your plan. It's next. So once you've had this conversation, you have to follow through. Like it would be worse to have the conversation and not follow through than never have the conversation at all. Because that's what professionals do. They follow through on the plans they make. And your reputation for setting goals and achieving them is the results portion of, you know, the plan that you have. I'm going to get these results to prove that I'm worthy of this job. And in order to go into the second conversation with persuasive data, you have to be have, have been working your plan and shown that you achieved it and that you're willing to do the hard work of learning something new, of up-leveling your skills, right? Yeah. Um, and even if your manager might have said at the outset, look, I can't guarantee you'll get promoted, but if you want to do this, fine by me, which of course they're going to say, because as part of this is you doing more work for them or bigger work. Yeah. The point of that is even if your boss says, I can't guarantee you're going to get promoted, unless your boss 
changes your plan enormously, and every once in a while they do, but usually they don't, they're tacitly agreeing that your plan to get promoted is a reasonable one. Now, I'll mention a caveat to this. If your boss is fairly new, he or she's only been a first-line manager for a year or so, they have no idea what the promotion process is. And so even if you've come up with a plan, they're still going, I, you know, I, I can't say anything. I don't, you know, I, I thought I got promoted because I was the best X and now I'm manager of X. And when I tell people in the field frequently, you realize your boss isn't the one that gets promoted and people are like, what? No, no, no. It's your boss's boss at the lowest level. And that's one of the reasons why. Uh, presentations are always so important is because one of the typical ways that an individual contributor gets exposed to their boss's boss is by doing presentations because you want your boss's boss to know about you and to have seen you and to think, oh yeah, that kid's good. Well, the point of that is your boss probably doesn't know if he or she is fairly new in their role. The criteria um, they don't have x-ray vision to know exactly what the criteria was for why they got promoted, other than they were very good at their job. But it's more. there's more to it than that. When you go into the second conversation, you want to have the evidence to be able to say, you said if I did X and Y and Z, I'd be ready for promotion. I've done X, Y, and Z. Now can we talk about the promotion? Of course, you don't want to make it sound like you're demanding, like like just Which because is the you way did. That just sounded. <laughs> no, well, no, but no, it's it not. It's not. I did X, Y, Z. Now I want the promotion that you promised me. It's exactly. I've done X, Y, and Z. Please, can we talk about the timing? What else I need to do? What other opportunities there are? Like it's a conversation. It's a. It's a. I've got to this point. Now let's have another discussion. Not a. I did X, I want Y. You could even say, look, uh, just an update. We talked before about a plan. I've done all the steps. Thought I'd give you that update and see what's next. Rather than saying, you said if I did X, Y, and Z, I'd be ready for promotion. I've done X, Y, and Z. So your turn, boss, pay up. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would come across inappropriate. Okay, good. So let's schedule the second conversation. Right. And that conversation can be an annual review. It can be a one on one. It can be a, sh a scheduled meeting. Probably, if you're going to include it in your one on one, you might want to give your boss a heads up because uh, it's quite a big topic to just bring up with no warning. And you should be at the end of your plan. And like we just said, you're going to tell your boss that you want to discuss the promotion prospects now you've completed your plan or now you've got this far. And blindsiding your boss with serious conversations, like putting something on his calendar that doesn't say anything in the title about what it's about or not texting or having a conversation with him saying, hey, I'm putting time on your calendar for this. That's a bad idea. And the conversation will go badly if you don't prepare them properly. Yes. Also, look, many bosses, maybe your boss is fairly inexperienced, will, again, immediately feel tension. I've never had this conversation before. It's a classic manager mistake. And the mistake is not not knowing. The mistake is acting embarrassed about not knowing uh, rather than just saying, you know, I don't know. Never done this before, but I'll, I'll find out. But a classic cover-up for not knowing what to say would be, oh, well, there's not even openings in right now. Let's not even have the conversation right now. 
Now, it wouldn't be bad in that situation to persuade to have the conversation, particularly if you're just thinking of this as an update. And it'll be good preparation for when the opportunity does come up. I would also say that it's very possible that your boss will say, well, there's more to do. And your general attitude ought to be, okay, I'll do more. I think it's a really bad idea to go into the conversation, having done everything you said you were going to do, and when your boss, and I think the chances of this are greater than 50%, says, well, you know, there are issues or there are problems, whatever, to have any other thought in your head other than, okay, no problem. I get it. It's out of your control, and so I'll keep doing my best and keep keeping you updated on my progress, and we'll go from there. Now, that's the way to handle the first one. I think the second one should be handled the same way. And I think maybe even the third one should be handled the same way. But at the same time, there's a difference between what you're saying to your boss and what you're doing to make yourself ready for promotion and whether or not you are willing to consider other opportunities. And by that, I mean internal or external opportunities. There's nothing wrong uh, with after a couple of meetings, say three to six months apart, where your boss promises you the moon and doesn't do anything, or you know, you get the impression he or she is being not untruthful, but just less than completely Lip candid service. with you. <laughs> yeah. Then then it's time to consider other options in the company. And this comes back to over and we come back to this over and over and over again. Guys, your network matters. And your network being warm to a request because you've stayed in touch with them periodically. And so it's not like they haven't heard from you uh, for over two years. And the last time they heard for you, from you, it was for a request for your career rather than showing them that you have value in their lives too. Um, but my point is, assume you're going to get told, I don't know, and say, that's no problem. Be prepared to have a positive mentality to that. That will give you bonus points in your boss's mind. Wow, the guy did what he said he's going to do and understands and so on. Now, after a couple of more meetings like that, if your boss continues to say, well, I don't have to give this guy anything. He's got a great attitude. Now you have to ask yourself, do I need to go elsewhere? Maybe there's an internal network suggestion. Maybe, maybe uh, you need to leave. As we've said before, if you really don't like your boss a lot, find another boss, or get promoted twice, as we like to say. <laughs> the secret to getting a better boss. <laughs> that may be one of the best uh, responses I get from the audience when I'm presenting about managing and getting promoted and relationships with your boss, and can I give feedback to my boss? No, you can't. And then I say, hey, if you want to change your boss, get promoted twice. And about a second later, it's like a ba-dum-bum kind of thing. Everybody goes, oh, yeah, that's good. Okay, last point, I think. Don't slack off. Don't slack off. This is a bit of a, a caveat, I guess. So don't slack off now that you've achieved your plan and you've had that conversation. So you've you've had a conversation with your boss. You've said, what do I need to get do to get promoted? Here's my plan to do those things. You've had the conversation of, I've done those things. Now, how do we make it so that I can get promoted? And your boss says, well, there isn't any openings right now, so you'll just have to wait. 
and then you slack off. That's just the worst thing to Don't do. Don't take your ball and go home. Uh, that made it seem like you were running for office and kissing babies just because you wanted to get elected. Yeah, all you care about is getting elected. Yeah, and if the opportunity comes in three months' time, if the opportunity is promoted, you can't have a failure to perform between the second conversation and that opportunity and hope to be promoted. I mean, the people who have control, as it were, over those promotions will think about the last three months. They won't think about the six to nine months of you busting your tail beforehand. They'll think about the last three months. And if the last three months was you coming in late and leaving early. And your boss may very well never have told them about all the things you're doing and the plan and the conversations and the advance and so on. They notice an improvement in your performance, but an improvement of your performance from your boss's boss, if he found out that there was not only an improvement in performance, but a discussion before and a plan and then a follow through on the plan. And some of the development stuff is not about performance. It could be about self-learning and growth. And so that would be completely different. And then to waste all that with, there's actually a term for this. It's called the recency effect. Your feelings about a person are much more related to what's happened in the last three months than what's happened over the past five years, for the most part. And of course, all that planning and conversations and stuff, it's stuff you can bring up during your interview for the manager job. So again, in any interview, you, what you don't want is to have a great life up until three months ago, and then, or a great story for up until three months ago, and then three months of no performance, because that ruins your interview. So again, there's a good reason to keep going. Okay, summarizing here real quickly. Getting promoted is hard, and it's necessarily hard because the organization knows that you're not just you anymore. You're you plus the people within your part of the organization. You know, the extra pay that managers get does not cover the greater difficulty of the job, to say nothing of the fact that organizations haven't been training people and they've left it to us in this free <laughs> podcast. Manager decisions are more difficult, and of course, you have a greater influence in the organization, which may be part of the reason why you want it, even if you wouldn't say that. Uh, preparing to get promoted prepares you for the more difficult job. It's not a necessary evil. It's part of working in a human political organization, and it's good training. And that's why you should do it. Exactly. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everyone. Hope this was helpful to you, particularly those of you who are individual contributors. There's a better way to do this than just stumbling through it, and we hope this helped. See you next week. Bye.